Hey, this is Pastor Allen. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church of Naples, and we are so happy that you have chosen to join us as we go through God's Word together. God's doing some amazing things here, and we pray that God's Word will transform you from the inside out. Our mission here is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ of all peoples. And our hope is, is that you are being a disciple that makes disciples. Now, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us either in person or continuing online as we go into God's Word together every week. But if you are a member of another church, we don't want this to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion a substitute for you being connected to your local body. So our prayer is, is that God uses His Word to change you and to change others. So we pray that God will use you and this message for His glory. Have a great day. But this morning, we get to dive into Isaiah chapter 9, the first seven verses. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 9 as we talk about the songs of Christmas. And the first song we're going to look at is, What Child Is This? What Child Is This? As we celebrate the birth of Christ. You know, when we think about, you know what, one thing has the ability to change everything. Think about in your life, what are some things that may have happened that changed everything? You may think about your wedding day, you may think about the birth of a child, you may think about some significant his events in history, maybe even like the invention of the iPhone. You think about what did we do before we could text or pull up maps on our phone, but we think and see all throughout life that some things have the ability to change everything, and today we're going to look at one thing that has the ability to change everything. Well, my wife and I have been married for 17 years. It'll be 18 years, March 18th. We were married um, right up near Clearwater, Indian Rocks Beach um, is where we were married, where my wife grew up. And so we, so many plans go into the wedding day of thinking about the flowers, the chair covers, the food, the pictures. My family's from Missouri, so how are we gonna get them there? My dad, was the first time he'd ever been on a plane when he flew to my wedding in Florida. So we think about all the different things that are going on. My job was to plan the honeymoon. And so I planned and we met with a travel agent friend of my wife's and we were going to Riviera Maya right south of Cancun. And so we were planning all the details of the all-inclusive place and maybe some of the excursions and you know, getting everything together. Well, the day before we were to get married, this is 17 years ago too, I'm prepping you a little bit. My wife is sitting there with her girlfriends and I'm sitting with my guy friends and my wife called, my fiance at the time calls and says, hey, do we need our passports to get into Mexico? And I said, no, we don't need our passports. I worked in Houston back in 2000 and 2001. Me and my buddies drove down to Brownsville, Texas, had our license, went right over. Well, a lot happened in the world since 2000. Um, you know, 2001 happened, but I told my wife, no, 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 we don't need our passports. We are good to go. So, you know, fast forward next day, we have beautiful wedding, beautiful pictures, beautiful bride. Man, it really was, we talk about, I mean, our wedding was just a lot of fun, just such a, a great day. And the way that the flight situation, we stayed in Tampa, flew to Fort Lauderdale, stayed a night there, and then we were gonna fly Fort Lauderdale to Cancun. Now again, March 18th, you know, so it's March, we're in Fort Lauderdale, and we're flying to Cancun. Those are kind of popular places on spring break um, around March 18th. So we pull up to the Fort Lauderdale airport 
Lines are just back and forth. All this, the car drops us off, and we see someone from the airlines holding a big sign that says, if you're going to Mexico, have your birth certificates or passports out. You know, hey, you're getting in this big long line. Please have your passports and birth certificates. And my wife looks at me, and I have that kind of sinking feeling of, uh-oh, I may have made a mistake. But if you know me, I was kind of positive, like, hey, maybe we'll go in. Let's talk to them. We'll, we'll work this out. Um, so we walk into the line, and the lady says, sir, you are not getting on that plane without your passport or birth certificate. You are not flying to Mexico. And so I thought, well, maybe my day marriage is over. This is gonna be the shortest marriage. It was good while it lasted. You know, I had a great day. You know, my wife's crying. I feel like an idiot. And I'm standing there and I think, you know what? That one thing changed everything. You know, I have my bride. I have the tickets. We had our bags packed. But we didn't have our passports. So we weren't able to go. Now, I'll tell you the rest of the story. Our parents were able to put our birth certificates on flights, and we had them um, there by the end of the night. My grandma's the real hero, hero of the story. She wired me, or I had her credit card, so I booked a, a night, and we ate at a restaurant, and we went to Mexico the next day. But I'm telling you, all the planning, everything leading up to that day, that one thing changed everything. And so when you're looking today, this holiday season, you know, it brings lots of joys, but it also brings challenges. Some of us are dealing with family issues, job issues, physical struggles, family struggles. And when we think about everything that we're going through, I want you to see that what child is this? This child is Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. And so as we look in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah this morning in chapter nine, I'm gonna ask you to stand as we read the first seven verses of the word of the prophet Isaiah to Israel. Chapter nine, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them ha uh, has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken it as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, that we can come and adore you. We ask now that your spirit would fill this room that, Father, you would speak to our hearts, 
that, Father, we would see our lives change, not because of a person or not because of a song, but because the person of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that we would have a face-to-face encounter to you. I pray that your word would be living and active, that it would cut to our hearts, and that it would teach us, rebuke us, and train us in all righteousness this morning. So, Lord, we need you. We need to hear from you. And so, Father, we ask you to be in this place. In your name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So as we're looking at what child is this, this prophet Isaiah is saying a word to the people of Israel. Now kind of the context of this, Israel is not in a great place. You know, Israel had divided. You have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And then even in the northern kingdom, you see all these wars and division. Ahaz is king, and the the two places, Zebulun and Naphtali, that he is talking about, is right up over the northern border where Assyria has come in and taken over. So the people he is writing to are looking around, and they are seeing false worship. They are worshiping Moloch. You're seeing the temple is boarded up. They're seeing destruction, they're seeing darkness, they're seeing evil, they're saying my world is falling apart. So that is who the prophet Isaiah is writing to. So this morning, if you're coming in and you're saying, hey, we made Christmas cookies, my kids went to bed early, everything's good, I got all my Christmas presents bought, I have every you know, decoration up, I can't, man, my life is good. You know what, that's not the setting this is. But if you're coming here this morning, and you're saying, my life is on the rocks. I don't even know if we're doing Christmas presents. You know what? I, the doctor told me this. My kids are doing this. My marriage is this. If you're sitting here and saying, I don't know what the next day is going to look at, this is a word for you. This is a word for me. Because when we look around and see all the things that are not going right in the world, there is hope in what? Jesus. What child is this? It's the child that brings us hope. So this morning, I wanna invite you to lean in. Man, if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're disappointed, if you're depressed, God has a word for us this morning that I wanna see fresh and anew because oftentimes when we say, what child is this? It's the child Jesus who can come and bring light and joy and victory in ways that other places cannot. C.S. Lewis says, that God whispers in our pleasures. He speaks in our circumstances, but he shouts in our pain. And so this holiday season, if it's joyful, man, I pray that we can hear some whispers. But if this holiday season's a painful one, if these next 21 days there's a lot of pain, I pray that you will hear the shouts of our God who loves us and wants to speak to us this morning. And so when we see this word, just know it was landing on a country, a nation of Israel that felt like they had no hope. And so this morning, I pray that Jesus can be our hope. So the first thing that we see is Jesus is the hope of light. Look in verse number Three, where it says, or no, number two, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has a light shone. Those places, Zebulun and Naphtali, were the, four, the, the northern cities of the northern kingdom. But just think about, that's one of the first cities that was overrun. So the very place that saw the enemy take over first, he's saying that the light is going to shine. And just think, right there on the border, that's where they're gonna see the most presence of the enemy. 
Man, the enemy has a stronghold right there in those regions, and I believe what God is saying through his prophet is, in the areas that are run over in your life, the areas that have the most enemy control, God is, God is going to shine his light the brightest. So this morning, God wants to take the broken areas of your life. God wants to take the overrun areas in your life, and he wants to shine the light of Jesus there. Many times we say, oh God, I'm gonna give you everything. I wanna worship you, but not this area. That's the hope that light is going to shine even in the dark areas. And this morning, it may seem dark in your life, but there is hope in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. Darkness sometimes come because of my own sin, and many times we'll see the deeds of darkness. Man, when I harbor sin in my life, there is darkness that Jesus needs to shine, but sometimes... There's darkness because we live in a fallen world. There is darkness because we have not experienced glory yet. I mean, there are things that St. John of the Cross says is a dark night of the soul. And you've been there, I've been there, where it seems like there is no hope. Where as believers, we say, hey, I know I should be joyful, but it just doesn't seem joyful. I know I should be bright and shiny, but I feel dark and I wanna be by myself. Jesus can shine the light of hope there. So when we're in darkness, I just don't want you to forget there is hope in Jesus. In the gospel writer of John, in chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When we look and see if we have a relationship with Christ, Jesus is the light of the world. And so whether we feel far from the light, whether we have somehow hidden the light, put our light under a bushel, that Jesus, it does not negate the truth that Jesus is the light and he is the hope that we need. If you do not have a relationship with Christ, I would encourage you, you cannot live this life without the light of the world residing in your life. See, that's when we say it's not just turning from sin and turning to Jesus. It is that, but it's so much more. We're turning to sin and turning to hope, turning to peace. You know, this Advent season, we're turning to hope, peace, joy, light, because Jesus is our life. So if you, don't know, if you do not know Christ, when we're inviting you into a personal relationship, it's saying, hey, we want you to experience light. We want you to experience hope and peace and joy, and that's only found in Jesus Christ. But as you sit here, and you sit and you look, my prayer is that we would lean into the light and allow it to shine in our own hearts. Lisa Turkhurst, who wrote in her book, Finding I Am, says it can be easy to get so focused on the darkness around us that we never address the darkness in us. And I just want you to let that sink in because that lands a lot of different ways. You know, when you see here at Christmas, you're worried about so many other people. Hey, are all the Christmas balls? presents bought. You know what? Is everybody happy? Is, you know what? We have this whole conglomeration of family coming together. How do I keep the peace? Many of you are peacemakers and you're saying, hey, there's darkness around. I need to fix this. I need to fix that. When God is saying, hey, child of God, my hope of light is for you. Man, the darkness in us. When you feel alone, God is saying, I see you. When you're saying, hey, I feel like I can't see, God is saying, I am the light of the world for you.
Jesus Christ is our hope. On August 5th, 2010, 33 Chilean miners were trapped a half a mile underground when a shaft collapsed. So they're underground one half mile. For 17 days, they were sitting in complete darkness other than the lights they had on their helmets or that they brought down there to work. 17 days, they sat in darkness wondering if this was going to be the headline of their life. Minor killed in Chilean shaft. But as they sat there 17 days, think about what was going on through their mind. And this morning, I, I tell this story to think, some of you have been sitting in darkness for a long time. And you feel like hope is not coming. Think about, Isaiah wrote this 700 years before Jesus was born. Sometimes when we think about, is this darkness ever going to end? I want you to see, now imagine the joy of those miners when the first sign of hope broke through 17 days later. They could dream of a future where being stuck in a cave would be a footnote of their life and not a headline. Their story was changed because of the light breaking through. When we see this morning, your story will be changed when you see the light breaking through the darkness in your own life. See, Jesus is the light of the world. What child is this? This child is the light. And when we allow the light of Jesus to shine in us, we see and experience a joy that is unexplainable. Look back in the text, in verse three. It says, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. When we look and we see the hope that we have, the hope is not just the light, but the hope is the joy of Jesus. They are glad because of God's presence. The covenant God is with his people, their gladness is described in two ways. It says that you're gonna be so joyful, it's like a time of harvest or a time of dividing spoils. Now again, many of you know this, but I grew up on a farm. So my dad farmed cotton, beans, small town. At the church I grew up in, we had a harvest festival in October, uh, in October, sorry, in October, that we would celebrate, you know what, the harvest that is to come. In India, they have a rice harvest festival. I mean, this is something that happens throughout the world that people rejoice and have festivals and parties because they are thanking God for providing the harvest that will feed them, that will support them, and that will support their family or their village. So the best way I can describe it to you is, it's like the joy you feel on payday. You know, maybe when, like if you, growing up, you would get money and you would see cash, or maybe you would get a check, or now it just get deposited in your account and you check it in your account. But just imagine the joy you feel on payday. Now take a step further, and what if you only got paid once a year? Think about if you only got paid one time of year, and when that check hits your bank account, the joy that you feel, that's what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah is, hey, in God's presence, the hope of the joy is like that once a year paycheck hitting your account. And when you have that kind of joy, God is saying, that's what I want to bring up in you. That's what my presence will bring. Joy comes 
from being in the presence of God. Psalm 30, we see this idea of, you know what, mourning and dancing, or, or we see weeping and joy. I, I would encourage you to write Psalm 30 in your notes, on your phone, or just in the, the margin, because it's a great understanding of just the psalmist crying out and saying, hey, when I had a lot, I didn't really worry about worshiping you, but when it was all taken, I still look to you, God, because you are the giver of joy and I praise you. But in Psalm 30, verse five, it says, weeping may tarry for the night, but what? But joy comes in the morning. So when the light of Jesus breaks and the dawn is coming, the morning is coming, when Jesus is in the room, joy is there. So when we look in our life and I don't have joy, what do I need? Jesus. Man, I need more Jesus in my life when the joy is not there. And I know that can seem trite, and I know that it seems like, well, how does that happen? In verse 11 and 12, it says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. Now, this morning, you may think, oh, I can't dance, so I'm not gonna dance. You know, I look out here, and I see a lot of people that probably can't dance, <laughs> you know, when we look. But Jesus you know what, is the one who makes us going from crying through mourning into dancing and celebrating of what he has done. And when we look and we see, and when you say, Justin, you don't know what's going on in my life. There is no dancing. That's weddings, that's Christmas Eve, you know, that's parties. My life is in shambles. The prophet told people who their life was literally in shambles, there's hope. What child is this? Man, this child that is born is the light of the world, and he is one that in his presence is fullness of joy. Man, so let's lean in to Jesus. This holiday season, is Jesus enough? Man, many times I say, well, I would be happy if I had Jesus and this. Man, if I could have Jesus and my kids obey, that'd be joyful. You know, if I could have Jesus and. But that's where we look and we say, what child is this? He is Jesus and he is enough. He's enough for you this morning, no matter what you're going through. When we look and see the light and the joy, we also see that Jesus is the hope of our deliverance. Because we can talk about the light, we can talk about the joy, but many of us are sitting under some bondage, or maybe we're sitting under just some chains, and we say, it's hard to have light and joy when you're under what the weight that I am. Well, let's look back and, and see what Isaiah says. He says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. When we look and we see the yoke, the staff or bar, the rod, those are metaphors for heavy burdens that were put on people. So whatever burdens you carried in here this morning, whatever things that are weighing you down, there is hope for deliverance. And it doesn't come through what I say. It doesn't come through anything else but the person of Jesus Christ. When we look and see, this is a divine warrior of the conquest who Jesus is fighting for his people. 
And so when we look and see the victory and the deliverance, look back where it says, every boot of the tramping warrior in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. That's a picture and an imagery of a defeated foe. So there's a picture of a defeated foe that's saying, hey, we're burning the spoils of war. We're not taking that because we want all the honor, all the glory to go to this divine warrior. So this morning, when we look and see the people of Israel who had no hope of deliverance, they were overwhelmed and they were hopeless. But Isaiah spoke a word to hope to them. And this morning, I believe God wants to speak a word to us. If we don't have hope of victory, maybe in our marriage, maybe children's obedience, a wayward child, maybe it's a physical struggle, maybe it's addiction, or maybe it's just the weight of life that is weighing on you. When we look and feel the yoke and the bar and the rod bearing down, don't give up. Don't give in. The light is breaking through. There's a joy that passes all of the understanding that you have, and there is a victor who is coming, and his name is Jesus. The victory does not happen in the words I say. The victory does not happen in the tasks that we perform, but it's what's been done for us. So this morning, what promise do you need to believe? And what sin do you need to confess? When we look and see, what command do you need to obey? Because many times for me, I have to go back to those simple truths of what Paul said in Romans. I'm more than a conqueror for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't feel like a conqueror, but God says I am. Man, in 1 John, all through, where he says, beloved. And you may be sitting here and saying, I don't feel loved. But God is declaring you through his son, you're beloved. So this morning, when we think about the hope that we have, the hope in the person of Jesus, how do you need to claim that promise today? Or maybe how do we deal with the sins and the addictions and the things in our life? You know, it's time to throw off the chains. We may not feel the oppression of a nation of Israel, but many of us walked in here with sins and burdens, and the sad thing is, in our American church, we can walk out of here with those sins, same sins and burdens because we've just learned how to cope with them. This morning, I pray that we stop that and we say, Jesus, we need you. Man, we says, we lay our, here, we fall down. We lay our crowns because Jesus is the one that's the light. Jesus is the one that is the joy. Jesus is the one that is our victory. So when we look at and see don't be scared of being real with God and others and miss the work that God wants to do in your life today. Jesus can break every chain. Jesus can right every wrong. He can mend every heart. And when we look and see, that seems impossible. But my Bible says with all things, with God, all things are possible. Do we believe that? Man, my prayer is that we will lean into that, that we allow Jesus to walk in victory. Why? Because he is our savior. The last thing that we see is the hope of a savior. Verse six, for to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. So when we look, we see the substance of the light, the joy, and the victory or the deliverance that we see is in this Savior. We see the full humanity and deity on display in this coming son, this person who is Jesus. Look in verse six, it says, for to us a child is born. He is gonna be born of a virgin. He's going to put on human flesh. Paul tells us in Philippians two that he steps out of heaven, his kenosis, he empties himself. He is fully God, but he is fully man. Why is that important, the humanity of Jesus? I believe it's important because it makes God accessible. From the front row to the back row, to everyone who hears this, no matter where you are, if you're on the mountaintop or in the ditch, Jesus sees you and he is accessible for us. All the other gods were distant, were silent, but Yahweh, the covenantal God, was personal and wanted a personal relationship with them. And so when we look and we see a child is born and this Jesus is not merely the revealer of God, he is God revealed. His humanity makes him relatable to us and it also shows us humility. We have a savior, man, that humbled himself so that we, we could have a way to the father. Man, he died that we may have a, a way, but make no mistake, a son was given. The son of God descended from heaven in such a way that without heaven, that without leaving heaven, he willed to be born in the virgin's womb, to go about the earth and to hang upon the cross. Yet he continuously filled the world as he had done from the beginning. Jesus didn't start on Christmas. Jesus didn't start in the incarnation. Jesus had always, has always been. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus has always existed, and he is fully God and fully man. And so this powerful, strong God is also relatable to us, and we see his names, Wonderful Counselor. There's nothing dull about his reign. He is wonderful. He's a counselor because he has inconceivable methods of assisting us and because his power is far beyond what we are able to conceive. So when we look and see that he is all wise counselor, why would we go to anyone else? Again, I think it's great to, man, talk with other friends. I think it's great to, to seek advice, but have we first seek what the counselor says? Man, the wonderful counselor. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all. Man, God is a wonderful counselor that we can go to. He is a mighty God. He has the power to execute his wise plans. We see in Romans when Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. When we see that Jesus, the hope of a savior, we have the power of the mighty God, you know what, on our side. He's the everlasting father. Again, this is not to say that the father and the son, we see two distinct persons, but more when we see everlasting father, that's the same term that we see often that's the originator or the source. So in the Gospel of John chapter eight, it says that Satan is the father of lies means he's the source or the originator of lies. 
So what we see here is that Jesus is saying, I'm a king and I rule a kingdom and my source is eternal. So he is not ruling a kingdom for this world. He is the everlasting originator. He is the eternal father. He is the source of all eternity. Jesus did not come to make your life a little better. He didn't come so you could have just a little better life and a little bit better marriage. He came to give you a whole new life. So when we look and we see that the king is reigning in a kingdom that is going to be for eternal. So why would we, you know what, spend so much time to make sure this little kingdom here and forget about an eternal kingdom that will last for eternity. Let's live for things that last for eternity. Jesus is the everlasting father, but he's also the prince of peace because according to verse six, he stands at the head of a kingdom to which is assured eternal peace. Man, we're all looking for peace. We're all looking, you know what, for power. We're all looking for different things to happen in our life, but have we looked to Jesus? What child is this? What child is this that we celebrate? He is the light of the world. He is the joy that we have. He's the victory, and he is the savior. He is the one who's come to give us light. A son will be given, all wise and all powerful, and he will reign over a kingdom. This was great hope for the people of Israel, but I believe it can also be great hope for us today. They were looking forward towards a savior, and we are looking back from what a savior has done. You know, they were placing their faith in a coming king, we get to look back and say, a king has come. Jesus has come. He has lived a perfect life, and he has died on the cross so that we may have life. So how do we have that life? How do we have that joy? We have it through Jesus. Going back to that counter, you know, on my honeymoon, and standing there and saying, please, will you not just let us get on the plane? This is my wife. She's crying, she wants to leave me, <laughs> you know, I'm an idiot. Please, and she said, sir, you have to have those papers to get access into the country and more importantly, to get back because that allows you the access. Those things, the, the passport that you need is the access that you have to have. And this morning, I may have been frustrated that day I may have been like, oh, could you please make an exception? But I knew that was right. You had to have that to have access. And this morning as we're hearing, man, the light, the joy, the victory, salvation, we have to have Jesus to have that access. We can't do it on our own. You can't figure it out. You can't fix it. Only Jesus can. So this season, Man, these next month, five, six weeks, no matter what you're going through, don't try to do it on your own. Turn to Jesus. Get somebody to help walk you through and point you to Jesus, who is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Because no matter all that we try, 
Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our access has been paid, our access has been given, and our access is through Jesus Christ. This morning, would you give your life to Christ? If you've been trying to do it on your own, maybe today is the day you say, I give up. I don't wanna try to fix my own life. I don't wanna try to fix my own sin. I don't want to try to do this on my own. I wanna turn to Jesus. Maybe today, right where you're at, you just pray that simple prayer and say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do it on my own. I trust you, I give you my life, I turn from my sin, and I trust you as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you do that right where you're at. Maybe today you have a relationship with Christ, and it's dark. And you say, Pastor Justin, you don't know what's going on, and I don't, but God does. And I wanna say to you that there is hope, and there is hope in the name of Jesus. Maybe you need to pray right where you're at, Maybe you need to come talk to someone about a promise so that you know what you have as a believer in Christ. Man, maybe you need to talk with someone about just some, some dark things that are going on in your life and you say, I need some light shine to shine in my life right now. My prayer is that you would not stay where you are, but you would lean into what God has for you. This morning, as we come and we sing songs, as we go through lots of things with joy, my prayer is that we would look to Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, man, who gave his life for us. Who are you trusting this morning? Are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in others? Are you trusting in a preacher? Are you trusting in the church? There's only one light. There's only one source of joy. There's only one who gives victory. There's only one savior, and his name is Jesus. What child is this? Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that, Lord, we can worship you, that we can trust in you. That, Father, no matter what we are going through, that, Lord, you meet us right where we're at. God, my prayer is that we would not just go through the motions, we would not just leave this place, but, Father, we would be real with you. We would say, Lord, right here where I stand, I'm tired of trying to figure it out. Lord, I'm tired of staying right where I'm at. God, I need you to do something I can't do for myself. Lord, I pray that salvation would come. Lord, I pray that victory would come, that joy would come. Lord, your word says you can turn mourning into dancing. And so, Father, I pray if we're not physically dancing that our hearts can start to dance before you. So, Lord, we need you. We need you to do a work that we can't do ourselves. And so, Father, we love you, and we ask you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand. We're gonna sing. Man, my prayer is that God will just continue to do a work in your heart and your life. We have pastors here that you can talk to, and that I pray that you would just encounter the living God this morning. So join us as we sing. Thank you for joining us as we go through God's Word together. I pray again that God will transform you from the inside out. So as we say here at first, you have come to church. Go out and be the church. Have a great week of worship. We can't wait to see you soon.